With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Happy Monday night. Welcome into another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast here live on the YouTube channel. You'll hear it in the podcast feed. After the fact, if you're of that variety, of course, Anthony Broom here with Clayton Safey and Chris Ballas, as we are every Monday night coming off of a, I got to do math again, 41-17 win over Penn State on Saturday afternoon in Ann Arbor, uh, as we do every week and as our show is every week, sponsored by Rogue Shop. You'll hear an ad for those guys in a little bit, of course, thanks to them for their support of the show. Uh, So as we do every Monday, or as we have been doing every Monday, uh, we will start because Obviously, you've heard from me after the game. You've heard from Ballas and Skeen last night. We'll start the show off with some of Clayton's takeaways from the win over Penn State, and then we'll jump right into questions here. So feel free to uh, fill up the chat, uh, leave a super chat. Uh, we'll, we'll move you up to the front of the line if you use that little donate button below. So uh, shout out to everyone who does that. But Clayton, thoughts on what you saw on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I think Michigan is a potentially a great team, and that's kind of the – overarching takeaway because you didn't know for sure after you know not playing full complete great games in the first three games of the Big Ten season and then not playing anybody other than a traffic cone as you would say Anthony in the first three games in the non-conference so I mean it was the first actual test and Michigan passed it with flying colors the final score doesn't even really represent just how bad uh, of a butt kicking as J.J. McCarthy said that was I mean they ran the ball all over them they stopped the run. They stopped the pass. They threw actually probably, you know, pretty efficiently. Uh, and then there was a certain point in the game where it was like, okay, let's just continue to run. They break off two 60-yarders in a row for touchdowns. And that was kind of all she wrote when Michigan kind of charged there in the third quarter. So, I mean, it was just super impressive. I think I might be even more impressed with the defense than I was with the offense just because, uh, you know, that was – pretty thorough uh, what they did on that side. One first down in the first half, that was incredible. So it's pretty much the takeaway is that Michigan is a great team again, potentially better than last season. And that gives, that's going to give them a chance in every game going forward. We just don't know still, because I don't know how good Penn state is. And it's amazing. You know, everybody's talking about the, the schedule and how easy it is, but guys, they played a heck of a schedule last year to win the big 10. So there are no apologies here or anywhere, you know, for what is, has been in front of them with the exception, maybe of the non-conference portion of the schedule. I think that needs to get a little bit tougher. Um, but I'm looking at what Harry Cajones says over here in comments. Maybe we can, We'll call that one up, but it says uh, still plenty of games left to be played. Control our own destiny. Harry, first of all, I might have suggest Manscaped. 20 go blue at manscaped.com for uh, for Harry <laughs> Cojones. And then uh, let's be defeat Sparty first. You know what? I was talking to somebody in the building today, and he said, hey, let, let's just bask in this one for now and, and where we are after seven games. And he's absolutely right. This has been a fun season. Somebody actually posted on the message board after the – before the Penn State game, why hasn't this been more fun? And I'm like, I I think it's been fantastic, man. It's been what a yeah. fun year so far. And anytime you have a, an offensive line that 
paves the way for 418 yards rushing. That's unbelievable. And uh, and how fun is that? I don't need to see the ball throw going all over the place like Ohio State or anything like that. Show me some man ball where guys are absolutely beating people down, as Doug Skeen would say, uh, and wishing that they had their chicken sandwiches at halftime, and I'm happy. So uh, fantastic all the way around. Special teams have been great with the exception of kick returns. Another shout-out to Jay Harbaugh there. Jake Moody, the big hit by him. Loved, loved seeing that. So lots of fun. Yeah, uh, Penn State didn't even have their peanut butter and jelly sandwiches after the game because right. they threw them at Michigan in the tunnel <laughs> in that half halftime skirmish. So yeah. Owen's right, man. They should have beaten by forty, at least forty. It, probably, it could have been like a fifty-five to three win. Uh, Owen, you're absolutely right. But stuff happens, and the fact that they were able to bounce back after some bad luck plays just goes to show you the mental toughness of this team. Uh, Brian uh, Legere, I hope that's how you pronounce it, with a two-dollar donation, it says this reminds me of Harbaugh's Forty Niners offense. Yeah, I think what it, we've talked about this and I talked with it with Ryan after the game on Saturday and that, you know, if you namely on both sides of the ball, but really on offense, if you're able to control the line of scrimmage, you get to set the dictate the terms of what that football game is going to look like. You know, it doesn't have to be basketball on grass. It doesn't have to be what Ohio State does well. Do what Michigan does well. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's always been a contrast in styles in that way. But yeah, I mean, this was. Again, I'm I'm starting seven weeks into the year. I'm starting to get a little, just a little bit tired of the schedule talk, only because this team has beaten the brakes off of everyone it's played. With the except, I mean, can argue the Maryland game and parts of other games, but uh, it's been dominant. It's been thorough. It's been decisive for the most part, and I don't think they've played their best football yet. And that's the scary thing. Uh, bye week comes at the perfect time. Get some get get these guys some rest, maybe get some of the, the injured guys back, like in the Kai Hill green, uh, some of the other pieces that, that we've talked about before, maybe Cade McNamara suits up, uh, you know, you're going to need your backup quarterback at some point in a game. You would think, uh, well, hopefully you don't need him, but you'd like to see him at some point in the game when you're in mop up duty. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else there is to really say. I mean, this is one where, uh, and I was listening to, uh, to Karsh and Jansen on that post game podcast that they put out where it's just like, at a certain point when this game was, it was, I think it was what, 14, 13 Penn State and then 17, 16, they led twice. You kind of look at the box score and go, this this doesn't match what the score says. And then over the course of the game, water found its level and it started to look like what the box score suggested it would look like. So, yeah, just another thorough and, and decisive uh, victory for them on the biggest stage they've played yet. I mean, honestly, I mean, it's the biggest, if not for Tennessee – it would be the biggest win of the weekend, the biggest story of the weekend. But um, yeah, this is a team that it's set four goals coming to the year, beat Michigan state, beat Ohio state, win a big 10 championship, win the national championship after seven weeks, all of that is still ahead of them. And there's a lot of room for improvement even, which is the scary part of it all. So uh, let's, let's start going to some questions here. This one's from Perry Stafford. In relation to Matthew Stafford, I wonder, uh, will Michigan need to pass against Sparty or will Harbaugh simply Penn State them despite Spar- uh, Sparty's horrible secondary? Uh, I'll start with this one quick and then you guys can elaborate. I do think that this is an offense that they've shown that they will take whatever a defense will give them. Uh, there were some there were some people in the chat on Saturday mad that J.J. McCarthy didn't have a bigger day. But when you're running the football like that, it's 
it's malpractice to not to not keep doing it that way. Which uh, Clayton also remind me, what was the stat where the the big game Blues, the Blue Pants, Blue Jerseys, in terms of rush numbers? Yeah. So at home since 2021, when Michigan's worn that combination, there's the rushing totals in those three games. I think it was 347 or something like that against Washington, 297 against Ohio State, and 418 against Penn State on Saturday, which is probably a coincidence, but you kind of, you wore those because it was a big game. And then it's just more proof that Michigan is really, despite years of it being like, Oh, it's a big game. Michigan's going to flop. You know, it's kind of been the opposite over the last two years. It's obviously been the difference because those games have put you over the top, but uh, most of all, it's just been kind of fun to watch. Yeah. And Brian Lazier said, again, this is the offense he ran with cap. You're absolutely right. And I didn't get a chance to comment on that, Brian, for your two bucks, you're going to get a little bit more play here because that you're <laughs> absolutely right. Um, this is the offense he ran with cap. And I like when Jim Harbaugh has his fingers, fingerprints on this offense. Uh, there's no question about it. And you know what, when he relinquished that to Josh Gaddis and they did their little speed and space thing that, you know, had one segment of the fan base all excited. Oh my God, we're going to, you know, we're going to throw the ball over the field and everything else. I was like, that's not Jim Harbaugh. That's not his identity. And how is that going to work? And to me, that was when things really kind of started to, to fade a little bit. So uh, now he's back. He's proven that he can beat Ohio State that way. I'd love to see him do it again in Columbus and show that it wasn't, you know, it certainly wasn't a fluke because they absolutely dominated them. But um, no question that you're absolutely right. Uh, and I am uh, Josh Flattis, terrible. But I, I am. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I love seeing anytime an offensive line destroys people like they did up front. Uh, you're never going to hear a complaint from me. Uh, and I think that that's what they need to keep doing. Yeah, to tie that in with the two questions, the Kaepernick and the 49ers offense and what they will need to or want to do against Michigan State. I mean, Anthony, to your point, it does feel like this offense has kind of everything at its disposal. Jim Harbaugh said it last year when somebody asked about, you know, well, did you think about passing more? I think it was after the Washington game. He said, well, we're not here. It's not our job to stop ourselves. So when something like that is working, they're going to hammer away at it. They came out throwing. They threw on the first play of the game in this game. They had a couple big throws. They picked up third downs through the air. So, I mean, they're going to do that when they need to. Uh, but the thing that does remind me the most of that offense with not only Kaepernick but Alex Smith, too, is just the, the you know, everything is at their disposal. They can change things at the line of scrimmage. And the play-action game is getting more and more prevalent over the last couple of weeks. We're going to see that in the bigger games. Jim Harbaugh, he saves the crazy things like play-action even for some of these bigger games. They had nine play-action throws in this last game connected on all nine I believe so that is uh you know they got things that they're doing off of other things and you can tell that uh you know the people that were saying oh that you know it's vanilla offense it probably was to an extent because they know in these bigger games they can pull out and uh, go off tendency and things like that and, and it worked on Saturday the one complaint I might have was the third and two when he threw the pick that changed the complexion of the game. You've got, you're dominating on the ground. Yeah. You're moving these guys, you know, continue to spread them out like you were and, you know, go shotgun that play. Uh, I used to say, as I told Doug Skeen yesterday, I like to, you know, why go shotgun when you only need a yard, but this team in short yardage in shotgun has been outstanding. These guys get such a great push led by Olu, Olu, a team in the middle. And you know what? You're in four down territory there. If you don't get it on third and two, you get it on fourth and one. One, which we saw later in the game. So maybe that's my, my one complaint in that whole game, other than uh, obviously the big run too by 
uh, by Sean Clifford there, what he got, what he got free. So, but uh, overall, there's nothing to complain about in this game other than a couple of bad breaks, one or two plays. You move on here, uh, complete emasculation, and now you got a bye week to heal up and get ready for Sparty. Yeah, and and for all the questions about unleashing Jay, Jay McCarthy or taking whatever you want to call it. I feel like to a certain extent that the box score doesn't reflect this, but in a way they did, you know, he ran seven times for 57 yards. I think unleashing him is kind of giving him free reign to make uh, plays off script with his legs and also, you know, get him more involved in the QB run game as well. So uh, no issues with that. Uh, again, it was another efficient game for him. 17 for 24, 145 yards. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to wow. It's not going to jump off the page, but even the, even the interception for him bounces off, you know, it's a tip pass bounces off a guy's helmet directly into the arms of a linebacker. Remind me of, was it, uh, was it JJ, uh, JK Dobbins in 2019 who fumbled and it bounced the ball bounced directly into his own yeah, hands. He dribbled the, the ball. Yeah. yeah. It was like dribbling a basketball. So, yep. Um, again, I, the, the, I'll give him Sean Clifford, the quarterback run. That wasn't a fluke play, just a bad defensive play. But other than that, I mean, that the pick was not a great decision. And God, the, the, that one play to Blake Quorum where JJ just kind of closes his eyes and launches it over to the right sideline. Stupid. Can't do that. But other than that, uh, he's again, he is doing the stats aren't sexy, uh, especially with some of the passing games that he's had, but it's the plays with his legs. It's the things he can do when he rolls up, the things he can do off script that has kind of added a different dimension to this offense without, you know, straight up going to throwing the ball 35 or 40 times a game. So, and he still accounted for 200 plus yards despite uh, in a game in which they ran for 418. So, you know what? It's like he said too, and I loved his attitude about it. He said, you know what, if I can stand back there and watch these guys and watch the holes and and watch us run for 418 yards, I'm happy. He knows, he knows he's going to get to the NFL. He knows this offense is going to get him there. And uh, you know what? He just wants to win. And I love that about him. Absolutely. He is. uh, I, I think he's proven to be, everything they could have asked for out of him and, and more so far. So uh, that's been a good development. Let's go to Josiah Wittenbach who asks, is red zone offense, the biggest issue to solve for this team down the stretch. Uh, we love Jake Moody. As you said before, I think he made arguably the play of the game on Saturday on that special teams tackle. Uh, don't, don't need to see 26 yard field goals, 27 yard field goals, 23 yard field goals. To me, that's by far the most frustrating aspect of that game on Saturday. Yeah, they got to get better in that area. I do think, you know, the run game's great down there. We saw it last year when they struggled a little bit more in the red zone where they would just kind of only want to run the ball as well. I think you can open it up a little bit more there. I guess that would be not a complaint, but just maybe a tweak that you can make. So, yeah, it's up there with one of the bigger issues. I think you got to, you know, refine some of your calls down there and you have two weeks to do it before Michigan State. So it's kind of a decent spot to be in that you're moving the ball so well that you're in the red zone that many times, too. That's that's something to note as well. Even uh, I pointed that out even last year when they were having those issues kind of middle part of the season where they had more red zone attempts than than just about everybody. So you're moving the ball well. You're going to get down there. Sometimes it's not going to go your way. But that was the, a thing, too. It wasn't just the big plays from Penn state that kept them in the game. It was partly Michigan uh, because they, you know, got field goals instead of touchdowns on some of those on the first two drives, especially. So uh, something to clean up for sure. 
Yeah, and let's give Penn State some credit. They came in as one of the top uh, yeah. defenses in the country in red zone defense. And I'll be honest, in watching the film, I thought it was more execution than play calling down there a couple times. Okay, there was there were two things. Uh, there was one play on which Donovan Edwards probably scores if he if he's patient and cuts yeah. left instead of right into a pile. Um, that's a that's a you know what there was a huge hole there, and that's coming. We're starting to see it with him, kind of like we did with Blake Corum when he continued to improve under Mike Hart's tutelage last year. And now we're seeing him as an elite back, frankly, and his vision and everything else. Donovan Edwards is going to get there. And we saw it later in the game, right? When he was more patient and uh, found the holes and he ran for hundred and what's 178 yards or whatever it was. So, and then the other play, uh, JJ McCarthy airmailed, airmailed one to Donovan Edwards in the flat where Edwards probably would have walked into the end zone. He had a couple, three blockers in front of him, just a bad throw. Perry, thanks for the two bucks. And, um, and it just, you know, wasn't there. And then the last one, Giovanni Ohati, the offensive line just didn't do its job when they were down there at the goal line. Uh, somebody got tangled up and a play that was, you know, you can't lose three yards on second goal from the two guys. You can get stuffed or you can get a yard, but you can't go backwards three yards. And that was just an awful play. That's awful execution in no way, shape or form. Are they designing any plays here where, okay, we're going to lose three yards. There was, there's no way that they were thinking, okay, we're going to lose three yards on this play at the very worst. It's going to be, you know, maybe a yard gain. And then we've got two shots to get in the end zone. So to me, it was execution. I think uh, I'd still like to see some fades. I don't know who the receiver would be. Again, maybe Andrew Anthony or something like that, you know, at times. And uh, and as our John Borton said, hey, maybe they should just score outside the 20 and uh, <laughs> instead of waiting to get in there. But uh, to me, on Saturday, it was execution. I think it's a great call, uh, a great question. But in, in my opinion, that's what we saw on Saturday. Yep, I want to take a moment now uh, while we are about uh, 17 minutes into our show. I want to talk about our friends. We will. We do have a lot of questions in the queue that we will get to here. You guys are coming hot and heavy with them on a Monday night, uh, starting off the bye week. But I do want to talk about our friends over at the Rogue Shop. Uh, as you guys know, it's a husband and wife business led by Richard and Char, uh, who are craft cannabis farmers specializing in small batch sustainable plant medicine. Richard is a disabled combat veteran, and his wife is a certified CBD consultant and life coach. They operate out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and they work to not only grow and manufacture, but also educate uh, about THC-based medicines. So if you're someone that has uh, chronic pain, insomnia, anxiety, anything that might diffuse some stress, uh, they are willing to hop on a live chat, give you some detailed feedback, and uh, you know, find if there's something they might have for you. I mean, they have you know, the, the lollipops, the hard candies, the tinctures, salves, lip balms, uh, bath soaks, CBD flowers, hot cocoa, uh, you name it, gummies, edibles, whatever you need, they have for you. So uh, they grow their own stuff. They manufacture their own products uh, with their own two hands, unlike their competitors who are replacing employees with machines. So each box comes with, and this is what we love the most about them. It's a handwritten letter sent with love from Mr. and Mrs. Rogue. That adds that extra touch to their care, uh, their care packages. Uh, guys, they've been very good to us so far. Uh, a couple care packages have come, I believe, to each of us at this point, and we are just big fans of of their sponsorship, of their uh, of their their support of our show, and also, um, you know, we stand by the people and the product as well. Yeah, I've gotten one care package so far. Pain cream was in there. Highly recommend that. Any aches and pains. Uh, slap it on and uh, it does a great job. So that the CBD gummies as well helps you uh, relax, focus a little bit after, uh, you know, unwind after a long day. 
Yeah, no question about it. Uh, and it's helped me sleep, guys. Uh, it's amazing. When you write as much as we do, everybody thinks, oh, you're going to be sleeping like crazy. You know what? That's just not the case. It's, you're always wondering what you have to do next. Uh, these guys have helped out. And they're good people, man. Uh, thanks for your service, Mr. Rogue. And uh, and just, uh, again, uh, you know what? We don't support products. or we, we, don't, we don't support people that we don't believe in. We certainly believe in these people. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's... Screen time this time of year, uh, when when Apple sends the analytics to my phone at the end of the week or my laptop, it's it's eye opening. And when you look at a screen that much, get a little bit of a tangent here. When you're staring at screens that much each day, like Chris said, you late you go to bed at night and you're wired because there's not the uh, you know the stimulation of having this bright screen in your face at all times. So uh, long story short, we love Rogue Shop. Uh, you can use the promo code the Wolverine for ten percent off. I forgot to squeeze that in there. Uh, so rogueshop.com use promo code Wolverine for 10% off. We appreciate your support of our show. Uh, let's go to another question now from Travis Foster who says, did you see, did you all see the development and building of a monster up front over the past few years? Is it coaching? I didn't see it coming. Uh, I'll take this one quick and then of course be the point guard and pass it around uh, a couple of years ago. I mean, especially during that COVID season, which we put an asterisk next to you for a lot of things. Uh, I was surprised like that season was a step backward because one, they were, they weren't even start practicing together. The starting offensive lines, they would meet in separate rooms. So guys weren't getting COVID. Then they had a rash of injuries and there was just never, um, there was a disconnect there anyways, uh, towards the end of the Ed Warner era. So things are much better now. They've, I mean, they've recruited the offensive line extremely well ben herbert gets those guys ready to play too um and sharon moore i mean not that we ever doubted he'd be good there but that transition from tight ends to offensive line has been has been seamless and also just kind of taking this thing to the next level yeah the 2020 was so weird jalen mayfield showed up late you know they didn't even have a camp you know because remember he had already declared for the nfl then he got hurt other guys got hurt they were shuffling in zach zinter was forced to play as a true freshman blessing in disguise, you know, with getting him that experience, but the offensive line play was good 2018, good in 2019, but they've just taken that leap to elite. And I didn't doubt Sharon Moore, but I questioned whether or not he would be a really good offensive line coach. Cause he hadn't done it before. Well, he has passed that test uh, and he is becoming one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. And you're right. It, I've thought about this over the last couple of days since the Penn state game, where it's like, it is amazing how, you know, Harbaugh always likes to run the ball and be the more physical team. And, you know, that was kind of his MO from the beginning all the way until now of his tenure. But the fact that it's turned out like this, where you're just bludgeoning opponents that are as good as Penn State, as good as Ohio State um, last year, you know, other teams, it's it's really, really impressive. I didn't see this coming. Uh, I'm not surprised with some of the talent they brought in on the offensive line that it has, you know, gotten better. And I'm not surprised that I, you know, I think this offensive line is better than it was a year ago. But the fact that it's this this elite um, is is a little bit surprising. And it's been huge for this Michigan team because they've been able to lean on those guys in some of the bigger games. And speaking of those bigger games, they got beat up against Georgia last year. But um, you know, not saying this offensive line would handle a defensive line like that because nobody would, but I think they're better equipped against even some of those better teams as well with Olu Oluwatimi at center, three guys that have improved that are returning starters, and then a couple guys in Carson Barnhart and Trent A. Jones who are playing high-level football too and getting better. So it's been it's been really nice. 
I would argue that those previous lines underachieved. If you look at what John Runyon Jr. is doing in the pros and Michael and Wenu and some of these guys and where they were drafted, Mayfield, um, these guys, they should have been better than they were as the, as the sum, they just weren't as good as, as they were the individual parts. And I think Ed Warner took, took a step in the right direction there. And Sharon Moore has really elevated that. Now, we're going to see it in next year or in the next couple of years, how much of that was personnel too. Sometimes you get guys that work together and play so well together. And these are just, they just turn out to be great lines because they have great linemen who play well together. So, but Sharon Moore did play offensive line in college. So it's not like he came in here and they said, Hey, you know what? Uh, you don't know what you're doing, but we're going to give you this a shot anyway. Uh, he came in there and he had a plenty of experience and they love him. You can tell in speaking to these players, when you got players who, who, love their coach uh, and really want him to succeed, then you're going to get the best out of them. There are different ways about it. Les Miles, those guys hated Les Miles when he was here because of the way he, he coached them, uh, but he still got the best out of them. But Sharon Moore is, is the opposite of that. And uh, and you can tell. I was a little bit worried when he took on the some of the uh, offensive coordinator duties as well, if he was going to uh, have enough time for these guys or if they were going to take a step back. But now that they're all healthy, and I consider them healthy even with Carson Barnhart in there because he's a starter just like Trent A. Jones is. Uh, we're starting to see what these guys can do. And when they take it seriously and when they're challenged, like Iowa challenged them and like Penn State challenged them and they were still chirping in the tunnel, even though they're getting their ass kicked, you know what? It was fun to watch. So uh, it's this line to me is one of the three best I've seen at Michigan in my however many years, you know, watching this football team at this point. So let's see how they finish. Yeah, some yeah. people think less is more. I, I think more is more. Sharon Moore has been more yeah. for this program. Look at my man Jake Sherba. How long were you uh how long were you workshopping that one, Clay? Yeah, I don't know. A couple seconds. Uh, <laughs> Jacob Sherba uh, with the $10 super chat. Buy a week beer money. Uh, hope you guys get to take a little bit of a breather. Pfft, that's a good joke. Uh, thank you, uh, Jacob. Mm-hmm. But do you anticipate the physicality of the Illinois defensive line being a bigger challenge than Penn State's? That's not a question I thought we'd get to start the year. Chris, your thoughts on that? Yeah, Jake, love you, man. Uh, the Jacob Sherba is, is a preferred customer on the fort, by the way. So he's got some information he passes on every now and then, too. Uh, you're a great dude, man. So when you come to town, that $9.99 is going to be beer money spent on you. So um, you know what? It's a great question. I've watched some Illinois football. I didn't think I was going to be watching a lot of it. And uh, it looks like a Brett Bielema Wisconsin team, fellas. And they are tough. They are physical. And they are not, I, I don't, I don't know the, the size of the, the guys up front. You know, I heard James Franklin lamenting the fact that his guys were undersized at certain positions. It's funny because he wasn't saying that before the game, you know, it's only after they got their butts kicked that he says, Oh, we gotta, we gotta pick it up and, and do in recruiting or whatever. But uh, I think that that will be a, a challenge. I think it will be more of a challenge. I, in other words, I don't think Michigan's going to be running for eight, 418 yeah. yards on Illinois. Um, so, and I think you're going to see a better approach. I didn't think, I didn't think Penn state's approach was very good defensively. Uh, some of their schemes, uh, you know what, they were just getting absolutely manhandled up front. Uh, they didn't, Michigan didn't throw because they didn't have to throw. And I didn't think Penn state adjusted very well. I don't think you're going to see that with Bielema. So I do think that will be a bigger challenge, Jacob. Yeah. Jacob Sherbo, one of the top, uh, posters on the fort, our premium message board. So appreciate the question. I, I agree. I mean, it's, it, it, we have the benefit. We lost your audio there, Clay. Am I back? You're, You're back. So I think it will be a bigger challenge with the benefit of hindsight there, um, you know, because we saw what Michigan did to Penn State. But, yeah, you're right. That's going to be a physical game the week before, before Ohio State. And 
somebody was saying, oh, it's going to be a really good, uh, you know, kind of setup game for Ohio State. I, I kind of disagree in a way. It almost would remind me of one of those Indiana games uh, in 2016 and 2018 where they were super physical. And then you go play Ohio State when maybe you're a little bit beat up. So hopefully they can get past that one without, you know, having any bumps and bruises and things like that. But I thought Maryland last year going into that Ohio State game was the perfect in terms of style setup game for Ohio State. But yeah, it's going to be a big game. They're they're ranked, you know, number 20 in the country, I believe it is. And uh, Brett Bielema has that thing rolling. We'll probably be picking their games on our Thursday podcast every week just because they keep playing in such big ones and, and keep winning. So and potential, you know, potential that that could be a. Uh... Two weeks later, you're playing them again in the Big Ten Championship right. game. What a weird, that's, crazy. that's such a weird. What, what somebody's got to somebody's got to win the West, right? Yeah, right. It's, it, watch it's it. It'll still be Nebraska or something. Watch something That'd be crazy. Stupid. Uh, Shane Johnson, another another we call them in the radio industry a P1 listener uh, in that top tier uh, with a 9.99 super chat. Uh, Maze out was electric at the big house. Being with my seven year old made it the best live sporting experience for me over the '97 Rose Bowl. Sent you two epic picks via Twitter, CB, of us in our first row end zone seats. Let's go. Yeah. I, I commented on one of those, actually, Shane, and uh, it was great to see, man. I love I love it when people bring their kids to the big house. It reminds me of when I went to my first game against Purdue in 1980 when I was a little kid. Uh, Mark Herman, under center. This is way before your time, guys. But, man, uh, it brings tears to my eyes, man, because these are there's such bonding moments, uh, these games. And we're seeing less and less of it, I think. Um, you know what? It was great to see a full stadium, Shane, I'll say that, because at times this year the students haven't gotten there or they leave at halftime that place was rocking and you could hear it through the glass in the press box i miss that i miss sitting outside with my kids and my family at times unless it's you know whether like that northwestern game that one year or the Purdue game where the the rain was coming sideways and then it turned to snow and sleet but uh uh, overall, man, what an atmosphere. I, I compared it to Ohio State last year, I think was the best one I think I've ever been at uh, just because of what was at stake and everything else. But uh, that was a great pick, Shane. And uh, we appreciate you again, man. I hope uh, hope you're making some good money there, giving us your nine ninety nine every week, brother. That that Ohio State game atmosphere last year was just its own beast. Um, but yeah, you're already 40 years old in 1980, says Zion Schaub. So. We're going to take 999 from you. Somebody figure out a way yeah. to get 999 Can we from charge him somehow? How yeah. do we do that? Uh, <laughs> not that old, that. brother. I'm not yeah. that old. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, electric environment on Saturday. About as good as it could be for a noon game against a non-Ohio State opponent, maybe a non-Michigan State opponent too. But that was, that was right up there with some of the better ones. And I think we're going to see another one next Saturday night, October 29th at 730 uh, against Michigan State. I think regardless of how good or bad Michigan State is, it's going to be a, a rocking big house again. And I'm excited already. I will enjoy the bye week, but I kind of wish we had that game this weekend. All right, we're going to do a couple rapid-fire ones here because the, the, the queue's starting to get backed up here. So uh, we will start, since we've been talking offensive line, we'll start with C. Faustus says, do you think this O-line is better than last year's? Quick answer from me, yes, I think so. I agree. I think they are very close, and I think they're going to be by the end of the year, and I think they are really getting there. I think uh, Olu Oluwatimi at center is really the best I've seen at moving people since uh, probably John Vitale in uh, 1988, 87-88. Steve Everett was up there too, but, uh, man, that guy's a beast. All right, we'll stick with the offensive line, but also shout-out to Blake Horm as well. What's more likely, 
Blake Corum as a Heisman finalist or offensive line repeats at Joe Moore winners? This is from Zion Schaub. Man, that is a great, great question. Um, I would say Blake is a Heisman finalist, I guess, just because Joe Moore winner is, is tough. If you would have said Joe Moore award finalist, I'd probably go with that, but I'd say Heisman finalist in the, uh, the stat basically that uh, from Birchie, our friend over at 971, the ticket is through seven games, Blake Corum, 901 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns. The last running back to win the Heisman 2015, Derek Henry for Alabama through seven games, 901 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns. So he is right on pace there. He did it in a huge game, which is going to help. He's got a couple more big games to do it in and have those moments, but all eyes will be on Columbus in that last Saturday of the regular season. And if he has a few moments in that one, I would not be surprised to see him in New York. You know that Michigan State's going to stack the line too and try to slow him. So he's got to have a big game on national television uh, on set that Saturday night too. So yeah. Uh, and, and they don't like to give those awards back to back, you know, they kind of like to spread them out. Even if they, now, if they were to right. rush for, if they were to rush for 400 or 500 yards here in the next, uh, you know what? Well, that means that not only is Blake Corum, you know, upping his chances right. for the Heisman, but then there's, then you've got a chance maybe to be both. Maybe you both. Know, who, yeah. who knows? But uh, if that happens, then Shane, we're going to give you all your money back and then, uh, and then double it. <laughs> yeah. I say, why pledging not? our money out for everybody. I'm sorry. I love these guys, man. It's, a, it's not coming yeah. out of your pocket. It'll come out of ours. We're well, lower on the totem pole. That's so. exactly. What do you think I did it? Well, so. you know, there it is. <laughs> Uh, Shane Johnson, of course, with uh, a quick uh, 499 question here for us. Uh, and this is, I wish EJ was here tonight to answer this because he will go deeper into this. I'm sure uh, if you're back for the Wednesday show, he says, since it's a bye week fellas, let's go with the recruiting question. We have won 19 of the last 21 games, last two seasons and ranked in the top five. Why is Michigan's recruiting class ranked 23rd? Um, I think we've been pretty upfront about, uh, Obviously a slower start this off season with the Jim Harbaugh stuff, the uncertainty with the Vikings NIL has been off to a bit of a rocky start, uh, but slowly, but surely kind of catching up behind the scenes. Uh, I mean, they just need to keep winning football games. They lost some of their own created momentum. Uh, they Jim Harbaugh often talks about controlling the things that you can control. All they can control is, is the perception of what their program is. And they do that by winning football games. So I would still kind of expect them to close things out on a somewhat high note. I do think the ship has probably sailed on like a top 15 or top 10 class, but I think that they can add some guys here late and again, without uh, Shane come back Wednesday. I mean, EJ will probably, he could probably do a whole show on this uh, if you guys asked about it, but that's, that's kind of where I see it right now. Yeah, I I'll think, oh, go ahead. No. I'll add, I'll flat out say it, it's NIL. And in any other year, they would have been, okay, Jim Harbaugh would have made it clear that, I'm, you know, he said, I'm not going anywhere again. I think he's, I'm not saying he's frustrated, I'm not speaking for him, but I know for a fact that some of the coaches in that building are because they were not prepared, the athletic department as a whole, and I understand that their hands are somewhat tied as to what they can do. But there is no reason that they shouldn't be this far behind. There was a, an independent study done from what we've been heard and Michigan is way down there. They've got a certain amount of time to fix it here. And uh, there are guys that, that have to do it. If it weren't for Jared Wangler, guys like Jared Wangler and Jordan Acker, they would be so far behind. And, and a guy like on our message board, I'm not going to say his name, but who we know has been at the forefront of, of getting the initial team, these guys on the team, their money and their cars and stuff like that. 
for the NIL, it's not pay to play. It's, it's, it's legit opportunities. Then they would be so far behind that they might not even be 23, but that is exactly what it is. And it's really disappointing because there's no reason for it. Santa Ono, the president has come in and made it very clear to people already that, that, is going to change. So I think next year you're going to see Michigan get caught back up. It's not going to be flat out pay to play, but they are going to have some structure here where the they are at least on somewhat of an even keel with some of these programs. Yeah, it's always going to be hard to beat you know the teams that are going to do the McDonald's bags and things like that. Right. But Michigan can compete at a higher level. And Chris, you said we you know expect them to as things progress. Santa Ono took office on Friday, so you know still early there. And uh, I think we'll see some of those results as far as over the last several weeks and, you know, the winning and why it, your recruiting hasn't caught up. I would just say be a little bit more patient because they could get a couple guys here, maybe flip a kid from somewhere else, maybe a rival that isn't having a great season in Indiana or something like that. And, you know, you could see a couple of those things late in the, uh, in the process, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, there was lost momentum early in the off season. There's been PFP pay for play, going on in Michigan's, you know, lack of NIL success and it's kind of all snowballed. Now you don't have a good class and it's hard at times to convince a kid to join a not so good class. So that's an element too. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's been disappointing. Keep an eye on Notre Dame's class too, Anthony, you know, that's a tire fire up there. Who'd want to go to that dumpster fire. And, and some of their guys are listening to Michigan's pitches now. So uh, keep an eye on some of those, uh, those five-star kids. Yeah, real quick, uh, shout out to Zion Schaub, who's been sending questions and just sent in $10 for us. So I feel like uh, I feel like we're in a nice little groove here. So Thank you guys you. have a little bit more time to bump yourself up to the front of the line if you have a question you want to get in. Probably another five to ten minutes we'll go here. I uh, do have a couple questions still to get to. Uh, just one last thing on the NIL. I think Michigan's, at least from the people we know, the people we've talked to, they they want to make sure they get the guys on the team taken care of. And once that's once you have that, then you have data points for guys to say, hey, you do this once you get on campus. This is what the opportunities that are available to you. So we still are early in it. Uh, I think at some point the PFP, uh, as Clay put it, uh, bubble is going to burst with the schools like uh, Texas A&M and, and the McDonald's, you know, that's pay for play is going to have an adverse effect on those teams. Uh, I think, but we'll see. Uh, there's still a lot of work to do in that area, but uh, that's yeah, been they, going on for a long time too. So. That's yeah. true. But they're, you know, numbers aren't public. Numbers are public now. They right. didn't used to be. I mean, yeah, and let's a, be honest. There's no reason that Michigan state should be getting four and five star recruits or whatever at this point, you know, above Michigan. Uh, it's ridiculous. Let's, let's yeah. come on. Let's be honest here. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, the, everyone's doing the quiet part, part out loud now. Right. Um, so we'll see. There's there's still a lot of work to do there. But uh, I do think at the end of the day, Michigan's slow burn approach is probably the better way to take it, though they should be much further along than they are. So a uh, couple more questions here. We're going to kind of rapid fire it. Uh, quick one from Mike Smith, injury status updates. I know the, the ones of note are obviously Nikai Hill Green, Eric Alcade McNamara. So Heading into the bye week, Chris. I mean, I guess what are you what are you hearing yeah. on these guys? 
I think Kate McNamara will be back for Michigan State and all this talk about how he's going to shut it down and not be there for his teammates is a bunch of crap. So I do, we do expect him back. In fact, he was close against Penn State. I, Clay was watching him throw on the sidelines, so we had him get the specs out, got there early as he always does. Now, Kai Hill Green, I think, is one of those nagging injuries that just keeps cropping up. You know what, you think you're close, and then you take a step backward. Eric All is going to be out for quite some time. So, uh, And then Trente Jones, we'll see with those high ankle sprains. I think Carson Barnhart had the same injury we've seen him come back from it uh either way you know what it'd be great to have him there as insurance but Carson Barnhart's done a hell of a job too so uh, that's where things stand and I think that's pretty much it It was nice to see Jaden McBurrows though out there addressed and running around too it means he's coming back as well yeah Cade was looking uh okay throwing the ball around he wasn't in cleats or anything in early warm-up so yeah that was good to see I think Nikai Hill Green may be on the Drake Harris rehab plan uh, which is unfortunate because that's that's a position in need right now. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, and Jade McBurrows was moving pretty well as well. And Jalen Perry is back as your backup corner. So they're getting a little healthier. And Trente Jones, probably, you know, a couple more weeks, you would think. Yeah. Ankle, so. It's Michigan State, man. You know he's going to want to be out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if he can get out there, he'll want to. But then if mm-hmm. not, I mean, you'll be fine with Carson Barnhart. And then you have Rutgers the week after and Nebraska the week. There's time for guys that truly need to get healthy to do yes. so. Yep. Um, but boy, you'd love to have all hands on deck for Michigan state to, to, uh, to do what you can, so to speak uh, to a dollar 99 coming in from Richard. Also Brooks, he says, love the line play. Who is your biggest fan? So rich uh, has been a longtime follower of mine and actually in his Twitter bio says he's like the founding member of the Anthony Broom fan club. So I wow. do have some groupies out there. There are wow. some, um, some of them closer than others, but you know, big time. Um, they're it not sounds just, like the, sounds like the sequel to Misery coming up. I Maybe. am your number number one fan. So, Richard, yeah. you, Richard, you just outed yourself. So be careful now, man. Yeah, so. I'm. I'm be keeping an eye on him. No, Rich yeah. is a great dude. We actually uh, met up met in Indy last year for the first time in the flesh. So awesome. it was it was fun for one of the you know it's fun when you have those big events where. People, you can finally put a face to a name with the people yeah. that you've met online and things like that. So, uh, Rich, love love your support. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Uh, we have time for a couple more here. Let's go to uh, – there's a couple in here. This one's from Jesse, who asks, should, be, should we be worried that Michigan starts slow and don't pick it up until the second half? I thought they started fast in, in most every game. I mean, they settled for field goals against Penn State, but they came out firing, moving the ball as well. They, they started well against Iowa. A lot of those scripted drives have been good. Uh, defense has been on its heels a couple times early. Maryland, Indiana come to mind, but then they tighten up. Third quarter stat is great. They've only allowed six points in third quarters all season, so they're starting to have as well. I don't think it's much of a concern. I think it's been pretty much even across the board, other than you've actually seen them get stronger as games go on, which I would prefer to see other than maybe a couple garbage time touchdowns. Agree. agree. And your talk, your point about the halftime adjustments is fantastic. Reminds me of the Bo Schembechler teams. They come out, they own that the the second half and Penn state had a a drive. They had a long pass there, but Michigan came out and, uh, and did what they needed to do. So, but I agree with you. They've come out and dominated that first drive against Iowa. The offense moved right down the field. What five plays Blake Corum touchdown, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good where they are. I don't think they've come out sluggish at all. And I think you're going to see them come out pretty fired up uh, a week from Saturday night. Yeah, I this is actually this last one's going to be a question for me because this is what I put on the thumbnail for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, just kidding. We have a four dollars, a four ninety nine super chat nice. from Michael Iver who says, 
if we throw down the field only when we need to, and I don't know, can you follow that up, Michael? I don't know if that's a statement or a question, but we do appreciate the 499. I agree um, with him. I do agree with him there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like when the, bucks, I mean, sure. it's kind of like when they buzz in on Family Feud before knowing the knowing the question, you know. Yeah. So, okay. uh, if they throw downfield only when they need to, I think what he's probably getting at is is that going to prepare them maybe for some of the bigger games on the schedule? I guess. But um, to me, you know what? They I don't think I think they're doing exactly what they should be doing. Right. If you can run the ball and, and right down somebody's throat and that's what you continue to do. Uh, I don't think there's any question that J.J. McCarthy has shown that he's capable. And when they needed to, like they did against Indiana, they came right out and uh, and flat out uh, put it in J.J. McCarthy's hands. They showed a lot of, of of trust in him, letting him throw from the end zone a couple times there, too. So I'm not worried about that, other than the fact that he's got those couple plays every game where you're like, oh, God, why do you throw that one? You know, and he's, and he's lucked out. Didn't luck out on the one on Saturday, lucked out on the other one. But again, he's young and he's doing an unbelievable job. If that's the only criticism you have of this kid at this point, when he's completing, what, 77% of his passes, then you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, I'm going to complete the second half of uh, Michael's okay. question, seeing as my first half of it was cut off because of Michael's question. Mm-hmm. Um, I put it on the thumbnail uh, for this episode. Is is Michigan a college football playoff team? When you look at the, the con- across the country right now, they're ranked fourth, but in the grand scheme of things, looking into your crystal ball, is this, is this a team that is, is equipped to get back there? I think they are. I think they can do everything that's in front of them. Yeah, Ken is different than Will, in my opinion. Um, well, in not saying that you guys don't also agree with that, but uh, I think they can be. I think right now you would put them in, but it's at the end of the season. We know what comes then. They have to go to Columbus. I still wouldn't pick them to win this game at that point. I think you can still get in if you lose that game and if you win the rest of them, but it comes down to what happens elsewhere around the country. It's not in your hands anymore, so it's hard to say, but I'll say, I mean, Yes, it can be and, you know, will be if they continue to play at the level that we saw on Saturday um, and the level that we know they can play because they did it last year and they look like they're only building on that. You know, here's the thing. This is the year that you wish that you had a 12-team playoff, right, which is what it should be because you're going to have a ton of teams there, in my opinion. This is going to be the year, finally, we say this every year, but that you're going to have a bunch of teams that deserve to be there and it's not just the obvious four and, and a lot of teams that can beat other teams, as we've seen. Yeah. Look at Alabama. They could have lost their home to Texas A&M before they go to Tennessee. There are literally 10 teams that I could see, and I still think Georgia – there's a Georgia fan on there trolling us, but I would agree with him that Georgia is still, in my opinion, the best team in the country. So, um, But they aren't unbeatable. And in my opinion – this would be one of those years that, hey, you'd say you'd lose a tough one to Ohio State and you and you get left out of the playoff, then that one's really going to hurt. So, But they can go down to Columbus and win. I'm not going to pick them to do that just yet, but uh, I think they certainly can. Yeah, if you're telling me that the worst, I mean, it would be great to see them in the playoff. Got to win the games in front of you. I think there's a very, there's a very, very good chance that they go into that Ohio State game with 11 wins already under their belt. And I guess if you're sitting coming off of last year, and if you tell me that the worst case scenario is that you're going to lose, you know, win 11 games and go to the Rose Bowl, I mean, God, there there are worse ways to end a season. But man, this this feels like I'll stop short of saying it's it's if not now when, but that opportunity is wide open this year, and and I think that the way I, the way that this team handles its business, um, I'd love to see them get back there because I don't think there's a dominant Georgia type of defensive line in this field, right? I don't think there's a, 
Now, if you want to say maybe Ohio State's passing game, fine, but you're going to have a chance to to prove that wrong before we even get there. So we'll see what happens. I think this is a good place for us to put a pin in it and get a head start, start on our bye week, fellas, although the work never stops here at the Wolverine. Uh, Chris Ballas, appreciate your time. Clayton Safey, as always, thank you for your time. Rogue Shop, thank you so much for your time. Uh, drop a like on this video. Get it to 500. Subscribe to the channel below. Uh, you can get the replays of these shows in your podcast feed, Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get that stuff at. That's going to close it out for us tonight. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, we will be on a normal schedule this week with all of the live shows and same deal next week. There won't be a game to talk about, but we'll still be here and back at the normal time next week, six o'clock on Monday. So moved it up a little bit this week, but uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for your support and we will, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.